Okay, folks, interview time. We are joined on the show tonight by none other than Philomena Young, freelancer and designer for White Wolf Games, amongst others. Philomena, welcome aboard. Hi, gentlemen. It's nice to talk to you. And we've uh, been gathering a number of questions uh, off our, our Facebook page to throw you away. But um, why don't we start off if you just let us know, you know, a little bit about yourself, how you got started with gaming and uh, how you moved into the, uh, the writing and designing field. Certainly. Well, I've been gaming since early high school, maybe even the summer right before high school. I got a half of a old D&D box, not the red one, but the white one. And we worked out from there the rest of the game. So I guess you could say I've been designing games since then, since we only had half of a working product at the time. <laughs> from there, I moved into God, riffs. That's actually what I cut my teeth on. And then once we found out there was a book about playing vampires, I was sold. No other game would do it for me, for a while anyway. So then we played second edition vampire forever. When the third edition came out, we hated it, and then we started playing it, and we loved it, and then we wouldn't go back and actually have a very similar relationship with Requiem. Excellent. Um, I'd been writing all that time, you know, stupid 13-year-old stuff, all the way through high school, stupid 13-year-old stuff. And then I got out into the world, and I heard um, Matt McFarlane put an all-call out for a Mage The Awakening book. He'd wanted to find some new talent because it was kind of a an out-there project. It was Unbidden, which is his um, Night Stalkers book. So yeah, it was yeah. supposed to be a lot of a lot of monsters that don't quite fit in. And I pitched him a, a doll that was a puzzle and that people would become obsessed with solving the puzzle within the doll and that mm. it would basically sort of absorb everything that they wanted to do. They became obsessed with the doll. They would kill other people over the doll. And for mages, it became particularly violent and vile. So he took me on for that project, and then I actually did a series of things that were all created by the same clocksmith, basically. Yes, he oh, had made all of these. Yeah, um, except for there was a big water clock. Or no, no, what, is, what was it? Well, Wood, Wood Ingham made one that was a, like a, a clock, and it ate brains, I think, is basically what it ended up being. <laughs> right. I need but to so, set that book out fully. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was so similar um in idea and scope that um Matt had us go back and basically either it was made by a student of the same clocksmith or it was somehow related to that. I don't remember exactly what it was. But like I found myself going, Oh my god, I love wood so much. I came up with something kind of similar to something he thought about. Had a total fa fangirl moment. And then it was over. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> cool. Good stuff. So I guess that well that answers uh uh one of the, the first questions from uh, from Peter, which was how you got started writing for White Wolf. So uh so that covers that. But he also asked, uh, what's your favorite role playing game that you've never had the opportunity to play? Hmm. I never feel like I've played enough of anything, but um, I guess I really want to sit down and play Apocalypse World. I really want to sit down and play it a lot, but I have, I've read the material, I've talked about it with people online all the time, but I haven't actually gotten a chance to sit down and play. Um, a mechanic in a game that rewards you for having sexual encounters with other players, uh, other characters, sorry, <laughs> big distinction. <laughs> I'll play that game. But the whole setup for the game is really interesting, and the, the design is just, of course, gorgeous. Um, and I want to play it badly, but haven't gotten a chance to yet. Cool. Mm, Great. I've got a couple of questions here from Beckett, and then I'll, um, I'll let Chris handle some stuff about uh, Strange Dead Love. Um, Beckett asks, what inspires you to, to write a book? How do you get prepped to write? Um, my inspiration comes from whatever my bosses tell me. 
that's that's not really fair. With White Wolf, you get a lot of very clear outlines with very clear ideas from the designers of what they want to say, and that is a blessing because you know what they want going into it. Um, yeah. And then what you, it, I, I find constraints and um, yeah, I, I basically feel like the more narrow I'm told to begin, the easier it is for me to be creative. If I'm told that like, well, you only have this one 500 year period of time in history and you have to totally build an entirely new setting out of that for whatever reason, that really helps me to flourish as a writer. So, I, you know, I get these very, these very narrow, very specific things that I need to work on. And then it's just a matter of finding my angle in there and then everything's just sort of pours from there. Right. Do you find that you, like, you find yourself returning to the same themes within within the work? Because I know that, you know, if I'm doing something, I have certain pet topics and themes that I'm always shoehorning in there. Well, you know, it depends on the project, depends on who I'm working for. But like I said, White Wolf is really good about their outlines. All of the books have themes, whether they're ever spoken about in the book itself or to the reader, I'm not sure. But they're all there for us as the writers to be aware mm. of. With my personal projects and that sort of thing, it, it really depends on who I'm trying to sell it to or who I'm trying to produce it for. I, I try to be flexible. I don't I don't stick to one genre. I like hope, and that's silly for a white wolf writer, but it's true. I like hope, and I like I like squeezing in the last glimmer of light to a project. So if it's a really dark setting like um, like Machine Sight, which is our sci-fi horror setting. It's a scary, terrible place, and a really good game of Machine Sight ends with all the player characters dead. But I wanted to slip a little bit of light in there, and that's in some of the, the flavor text in the beginning. Um, and so all of my work is going to have a little bit of that, um, which for some reason the White Wolf guys are still okay with. Um, <laughs> and so I guess that's that's probably one of my one of my darlings I have to watch and kill when I work. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, and finally, from Becky, he asks, um, "What's your favorite World of Darkness game line?" I should say vampire because I did so much writing in it, I did so much playing in it. But um, Hunter the Vigil, hands down, I love it. I go back to it every time we're talking about a game. That's my first thought. Every time I watch a movie or something like that, I'm thinking, "How can I make that as a hunter?" I watch a lot of horror movies, but I just love them. I think they're they're the most interesting, the most real, and the most op uh, optimistic of all of the game lines mm. because there's mm -hmm. such a reality there but more than just a reality it's people who are in a bad world who are somehow working to make it better and that's something that most of us don't get a chance to do in the real world um we can't go and find the evil vampire who is the reason that there are all sorts of bad drugs in the city and kill him and then change that because killing is wrong in the real world so you know that's i think that's one of my yay hope joy girliness yeah, cool stuff okay chris if you want to pick up on uh strange dead love yeah um so we had the whole list of uh white wolf's outline of uh books for the next year or so and on that list is of course for a new one for vampire the requiem which is strange dead love so philomena can you give us kind of like a general overview of the book i know you um you just i think i was reading you just finished some of your red lines for it so there's of course there's only a certain amount you can tell us about the book but um, what insight can you give to us about what it's going to cover? Well, actually, um, White Wolf is trying to switch to a more open model of development. You saw okay. that with their, with their V20. They put everything yeah. out there for everybody to read as they were going. And they're going to be switching their other works to similar things. So Eddie personally told me, tell them whatever you want to tell them about the game. 
Um, Fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Strange Dead Love is something that, that Russell Bailey has been trying to do since he got on with White Wolf. Um, it is the game book that he's wanted to develop since then. And it's, um, it's, it's Requiem through an urban fantasy vision. I feel like it, um, it opens it up to a wider audience and it says basically, well, you know, the darkity dark vampire stuff is awesome and it's still here because, you know, that's an intrinsic part of the game. But let's also step back and look at the other angles of vampire. Russell's very much a proponent that vampires absolutely still have emotions. They absolutely still have feelings. And that romance, not in a pure form, because that doesn't work in the world of darkness, but romance absolutely exists and is intrinsic in the stories that you tell. So, you know, it's not a book about romance. Don't don't get me wrong about that. But it is a book that centers on, I feel like, stories that are open to emotional gravitas. And it's not for superheroes with fangs who never get affected by anything around them. Um, mm-hmm. and just run around with their awesome powers killing things. That's a valid game style. I don't have a problem with it. It's not for me, and it's certainly not in this book. Yeah. So, essentially, this, is this. Um, I would say, to me, Strange Dead Love looks like it's obviously going out to address the fact that there is a lot of paranormal romance, as you say, urban fantasy literature out there right now, which is unsurprising considering certain books and everything it, it's blown the uh, it's blown that kind of uh that market open and so i guess strange love is trying to address that but also bring it into the fold in it through the lens of vampire the requiem by going by applying the world of darkness kind of gloss and sheen to it to maybe tone down certain bits and make it feel as you say the idea that you can have gravitas with these um with these relationships that vampires can have rather than or possibly I don't know, being victim to having certain, you know, gameplay where the vampires being presented as, as not having those uh, relationships anymore. Right, right. It's definitely supposed to open the door for that. Um, I would say if you're a Laura K. Hamilton fan, I have mm. within this book the tools I need to give you the game that you want. Uh, you know, if you if you like the Dresden Files and you can play a vampire, I have within this book the tools for you to make the game that you want. And the, the important thing I think that this book really brings home is people at White Wolf have always believed that you do at your table what you want to do. If you really hate uh, the the conflict role between vampires when they first run into each other, if that oh, breaks yeah, your yeah. game, and it does, it's, it's, I've seen it screw up a lot of games in the initial. Um, so if that doesn't work for your game, just don't use it. We don't care. We're not going to march to your house and tell you you have to use it this way. So I feel like this book, you know, and there are a lot of books in this in this vein with the toolkit style for Requiem that basically say, just do the stuff that makes sense for you. Here's some ideas on how you can tweak things to get the experience that you're looking for. That sounds quite really important to get, as you say, the, the, the feel for how you want to have, to introduce, um, I guess, romance in the it, in a way, and uh, these these personal interactions into the game, because for some players, would be willing to do would be more than willing to have their characters have relationships with other possibly player characters or NPCs, and yet there could be a, a market of, of there could be a group of players that are just always kind of rather dismissive of, dismissive of that sort of those story elements, and yet if it, it, does this book then? Trying also go out to 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 so that's tunable, so you can kind of sh- you can get a little bit in, so that 
some players can get what they want out of it, while other players who aren't so interested in that kind of they may describe it as too touchy feely, they um, aren't put off by it. Is that what you mean by the tunability of it, then? Yeah, right. Well, it's similar to uh, Mirrors, if you've taken a look at that. So the beginning of the book is all, what did he say? I want to say, like, artifacts, basically, that give you an idea of the genre of book that we're talking about and the the feeling of movie that we're talking about, so that you, if you don't, let's say, I want to play a game like like the Lorca Hamilton books, and I don't have a language for telling my boyfriend... Um, my gaming group, whatever, that this is the game that I want to play. Now I have within this book, oh, this is this is what I need. I want these, yeah. these things. And then you can begin the no- negotiation or discussion on, on what of that stuff should be drawn into your game or what should. That's and a that's really cool all, idea. Yeah, that's all Monica. Um, and that should come out really interestingly because she knows the genre like, whoa. So then the second section, which is a little bit of Monica and then a lot of me, is they're all basically like shards, um, like from Mirrors. And that's a game, a chronicle hack. Um, mm. Like, you know, well, you like this sort of game. Um, I think somebody specifically asked if there was a Dark Shadows sort of thing. And there absolutely is. I set up a game, a chronicle that takes place entirely in one mansion. And there are certain archetypes like the, the, the mysterious returned vampire and the, the old harridan who takes care of the place. And it's pretty much a normal game of vampire in a very limited area with a very limited cast. And then you're rewarded with experience points for doing um, one-on-one secret scenes in front of the group. Oh, cool. So basically, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little bit like um, Houses of the Blooded, if you ever got a chance to play with, uh, play around with that, where basically the spotlight falls on the two characters who are having a secret clandestine meeting. Um, and, and so people are responsible for knowing about as much of that scene as they should, based on what spies they have or what connection they have to the household. Um, yeah. And then... Everybody, and then the player characters are rewarded with experience points for making their secrets public, basically. Okay. Oh, very cool. So that would have come in really handy at my last mage game when uh, we had one guy keeping things secret from the other guys, and it spilled over into the real world and got really rather ugly for about a week. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not nice at all. Uh, cool. I have to check that out. Yeah, I did a couple of other little chronicle hacks like that. Um, I did one for the canon game, um, and you know that that the idea on like more like online forum games where everybody's playing characters from Harry Potter or what have you. And this would be a method to reward players for staying in canon with their characters. So if you love Buffy so much that you cannot resist it and you want to have your group of players sit around and, and remake Buffy in Requiem, I talk about how to do that. Um, yeah, that would be a great interest, I think, to my wife because she does a lot of... Um of uh she's currently doing a lot of Final Fantasy seven based uh forum based role play. So, you know, you again all all this all these uh story elements are out in front of everyone else involved in that forum. Yet right. you know, there's there's it's up to you to kind of to make these important interactions that are just between a pair of characters then influence other people and do the big reveals and and so create drama. Cool. So really essentially yeah, you're you're rewarding creating drama. In whatever shape oh. of that, that that manifests out of that secret meeting. Well, I feel like if there's no drama, then this style of game is not going to work. No matter how you're taking yeah. the chronicle, no matter what you're doing with it, y- you need drama to fuel all of these these sorts of games. 
Yes, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, as much as you can reward players for being as careful as possible, sometimes they can just get too careful and their character just ends up being a little bit too boring and doesn't slip up and you just want them to go, go, please make a mistake, make something happen with your character. Okay, so um, so which, I get the, the question here is, what themes and aspects of paranormal romance and the, thus for this book were um, the main kind of, uh, I would say, objectives for you. Uh, what grabbed your interest the most? What w- Were there particular things you, you especially wanted to cover for the book? For me, I can't speak for the other women writing on it, but for mm. me, specifically, sex. Absolutely yeah. sex. Um, I, I think vampires should be banging all the time. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. they should, I do. I think they should be having amazing, wonderful, complicated sex that interferes with all of their interpersonal relationships. Um, and, and all of their political stuff should have in some way or another a problem with sex behind it. <laughs> I don't think everybody yeah. should play it that way. And I think people who don't want to bring sex into their game can, can actually really add a layer of drama to the characters who do have all sorts of sex all over the place. Um, yeah. because I, you know, so if, if that's not a thing for you, if that's not comfortable for you, you don't have to do it. But like, it seems like these these characters who have no real consequences because they're not going to get the clap and they're not going to get pregnant. And, you know, they have forever to explore everything. They are going to explore everything. So therefore the character who doesn't would be an interesting counterpoint, but I don't think that non-sex for vampires would be the norm. Um, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's, it's come up in, again, it's, it's something that, uh, this, this again, it seems to be a, a theme of when you have a, a, uh, a significant other who role plays, and uh, she's had uh, her main vampire character has ha- has a um, has a ghoul who is male and and loves her character. So she she gender bends to the game. So she's playing this uh, kind of like a party kid kind of uh, playboy slash photographer, and so he has wonderful parties with hookers everywhere, and there's lots of coke. But then he also has this ghoul who loves him. And yet, we've already worked out that her character will be embracing another man at some point, and it will obviously lead to some fallout with the ghoul who will think they've been jilted and everything. So, we're playing some really, uh, she's playing out some really <laughs> hardcore kind of scenes for her characters, or at least if th- if she doesn't get the chance to, they turn up in the blue books and they're all there for the group <laughs> to see. And sometimes, like, oh, Dimitri's gone off on one. He's gone on and got another hooker killed, and it's like, yeah, it's Dimitri. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Drama. Yeah, drama's it's, good. Exactly. So, the question here, I didn't write this one, but during the writing write process, did anyone seriously suggest sparkles? <sighs> so I guess the question really is, um, how did you approach the the wonder that is uh, Twilight and the material that's obviously out there? Because there's obviously some good ideas in that material. It's obviously the questions about execution. So in what way does Strange Dead Love kind of address Twilight, or does it? So, you know, I've, I've said on the White Wolf forums, and I'll, I'll say it here, if yeah. someone seriously asked me to make a Collins-based bloodline, and they really wanted that for their game, and that would bring them into the game and make them feel happy, I would do it for them in a heartbeat. Yeah. There's no such thing as bad, wrong, fun. The fact is, the the storyline is not new. No, the, it is. The, the Twilight story is, is absolutely a vampire story, and it's been done a million times. 
if you really look at it as the story of a woman who is so deeply glamored by a vampire that she mm. can't see how creepy and abusive her relationship is, that's World <laughs> yeah. of Darkness. That's that's um. Can I curse? Yes, yeah. please do. Well, that's that's some that's some deep fucking World of Darkness scary stuff. Is what that is. <laughs> like that's that's too creepy for me, frankly. But that's it is a World of Darkness story, and there are absolutely shades of that in this book because it. All the beats, all of the themes and that sort of thing that, that draw girls into these books are pretty universal through a lot of the urban fantasy. It's just that one got a lot of attention and has some weird quirky stuff in it that mm. drew a lot of attention to it. But if you drop the weird quirky stuff, it's really just uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, right. if you want to be perfectly honest about it. Yes. yes. Cool, because, I mean, uh, uh, the things that excite me with Strange Dead Love is just to see, obviously, to address some the 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 interesting parts of really um how vampires interact with the whole idea of love and and romance because of course um it's touched upon in in uh in ghouls which again is the whole idea of like vampires can uh, inflict upon mortals and other vampires this uh, this uh this form of love which isn't really love and for a vampire to then possibly falling in love with a mortal, or at least falling in love with the idea of being in love with a mortal, because they've forgotten how to love, maybe. And how far are they willing to go to maybe make that real? Or a mortal falls in love with them, they're like, I don't want to know about it, I just don't want to know, go away, and it still continues. Um, are all really, you know, interesting things and that I would love to see played out by my players, or at least inflict upon them. Um, I don't see why vampires can't be stalked by crazy mortals, or if not, something even worse, such as I, uh, I know, a werewolf that's for some reason falling in love with them, or you know, the list is endless. Right, I am. Um, I believe at a LARP that I was running, um, I delivered a, a, a Deva who he he was he was he was a player and he had a lot of you know um, blood toys and, and that sort of thing on the side, blood dolls. Um, mm. And so at a, during a LARP, he was delivered with. Um, uh, a paternity suit because one of the girls he had played with was suddenly pregnant and she assumed it was him. And so then he had to deal with, um, you know, proving that he wasn't the father of this kid without going to court and, you know, without all of that nonsense. Oh, um, because what? yeah, exactly. Obsession and addiction are, are chemically not that much different from physiological love as far as we understand it. And, and yeah. messing around with a person's mind, like like with the Twilight example, really. If if you look at yeah. it, it's just a woman who is just disturbed by the mind magic and emotional magic being thrown at her. Um, it's very well of darkness. I mean, the other thing I was going to say is, I think Strange Love. I mean, all these concepts are, are of course totally valid beyond vampire. I mean, you could play out all this stuff with mages. I mean, what's going to stop a mage when they do a bit of love magic on someone and then having to deal with the consequences of that? Or worse, maybe uh, someone that's insanely in love with you and having to deal with the consequences of that and that person is only only has these feelings for you or maybe perhaps you only have these feelings for them because for some reason you're spirit-ridden maybe. Um, yeah. Well, with with the major resonant, your resonance alone can make it happen. You, know, you don't even yeah. have to want to want it to happen. You just can't. Well, your resonance is all is sexy time twenty four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How well, did you know yeah, what I my mean, resonance was? <laughs> but then, um, well, that's that's why yeah. I think I think that's why it's like mortals like sleepers. I think 
I always find they work best in situations like this, you know, as the as the obsessive stalker or the object of affection, you know, for two reasons. Because one, they're so fragile compared to the uh, to the supernatural films. Uh, like you, you know, you really could, with a wave of your hand, snuff that person's life out if you wanted to. Uh, but mm. I think most players gravitate more toward, well, I, I I can't just kill her, and then you know, out of that you know, uh, that dilemma comes the drama. And secondly. Uh, like the, the you know with the point you made about the paternity suit, um, they're so enmeshed with the mass of the of the mortal world and all its bureaucracies and uh, you know and potentials to uh, to be to be discovered. But I think it makes you know I think it's in in a way even more exotic and strange than um, you know than the love of another vampire or a werewolf or uh, you know the major yeah. next city over. It makes it more dangerous and therefore more sexy. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think okay. Possibly yes. all that. Yeah. We have, we have covered love in all its forms. <laughs> um, Mike, are you up for a, a brief bit of speaking, or should I should I take the Forsaken Guide here? I've got it. Philomena, how did you playtest the Lone Wolf system hack, and uh, did you try it out with more than one player? Well, you guys, everybody loves that section, or hates it uh, equally. I play one-on-one with my husband, who is another writer. Largely because it's easier, we have kids, so it's easier for us to play one-on-one. Um, really, the Lone Wolf Chronicle was born out of our experiences trying to play all of the World of Darkness games with just two people. I don't know that we play-tested those rules specifically so much as it's just, like I said, we played a vampire game or a werewolf game, and, and from that wisdom we kind of pulled out, well, this is the stuff that would work. So I have a couple of people who have asked me a couple of questions about specifics and mechanics, like... um does the totem still have its own spirit rank and, and that sort of thing? And ultimately, like with all White Wolf products, do what works at your table. Like if this part of the game doesn't make sense for you or didn't work when you guys got it out because of your juju is different than my juju with dice, you know, don't feel like you have to stick to my book. Use my book as inspiration and idea. And then if the dice fall differently for you than they did for me when I was testing it out, it's not a big deal if you have to break stuff. I want you to break stuff and make it your own. Exactly. Cool. Okay, and in addition to the Forsaken Chronicles Guide, you also worked on the Mage Chronicles Guide. Um, Yeah, which bit of that did did you work on? Oh, sorry. Briefly, related to Strange Dead Love. In the Forsaken Chronicles Guide, I actually wrote the, the section on werewolf sex. Oh, um, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you, I noticed that on your blog. Yeah, carry on. Yeah, that, um. that, was, that was totally me, and um, actually I kind of want sex in all of the games. Um, that sounds really strange, and it sounds like I'm a very different person than I actually am, but just <laughs> just, just skip that part and just know that like, if there's sex in a game, it might have been me writing it. So, so <laughs> So I just wanted to mention that was also me. But okay, so um, Mage Chronicles. So I, I, I should look for the sex in the Mage Chronicles guide too. <laughs> Unfortunately, not so much. I wrote um, a chronicle where the um, the basically the the ultimate closing of the chronicle was that the players find out that the source of all magic is evil, so that there's sort of a Cthulian um, history to all. World of Darkness, um, to all magic in the World of Darkness, and to be a mage is to inherently serve this evil, which, you know, I kind of thought would be a nice bummer for all of the mage characters going through this chronicle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I don't usually write really bummer stuff, so that was me trying to test myself and, and work that out. But I've, I've heard some people who played through it and enjoyed it a lot, so I guess it worked. Um, I also wrote the genre hack for playing in a pulp um, adventure. 
that's with science with a capital ex- and an exclamation point. And then I wrote a chronicle where you play a family of mages who have inherited it from the family before or from, from previous members of their family. So the Chronicle X, I don't get to play as much mage as I'd like to. Uh, my groups lean towards Hunter and so on. Um, but I've used clearly um, aspects of it in other games all over the place. Specifically the, the Family Chronicle, um, where you're playing people who are genetically just, you know, descendant from other mages, um, yeah. is actually from a sort of an urban legend in my family. My grandmother used to tell me about a great aunt um, who was a witch, and everybody knew she was a witch, and nobody made a big deal out of it. That's just what she was. Um, hmm. it, this is an old Italian family, so like they use different language for all of this stuff. It doesn't have the same connotation as it does in the U.S. But like you know, she would always tell me. Well, you know, there are certain things that will be picked up in the family. Like if you have a certain color of hair or whatever, we know that you're descended from that specific aunt. And you're probably going to tend towards mischief and witchcraft. I carried some of those traits, so I always found it, you know, I was always waiting for a magic wand to end up, you know, coming to me in the mail, (laughs) but never did show up. (laughs) That's interesting. Cool. Now, you also worked on uh, Mage Noir, right? I sure did. And uh, uh, which parts of that were yours? So I wrote the intro fiction, and I also wrote the adventure at the end. Okay. Um, And that was it. Was fun because I got to use Matt McFarlane's characters. He wrote the character, um, the pregens for the setting, Um, Mm -hmm. and then I got to use both use them in the fiction and in the in the the adventure. And he writes some solid characters. It was really a lot of fun to use his material, and I hope I didn't ruin it too much. So again, that's an example of where your inspiration is coming from uh, from the developer's notes and, and input and directions. Well, and, and also the genre. I mean, um, we, we were all working from a very similar tapestry. Mm-hmm. Noir in fiction or, you know, the hard-boiled detective stuff, that's all very well defined by, you know, literary analysis already. And Matt just, he reached in there and he pulled out these perfect archetypes that weren't overly done or boring and made them real and and historically accurate like they felt like real people who could have existed but they were also mages and also genre archetypes which was just a fantastic thing to put together so it was it was easy to make the genre appropriate fiction around these perfect characters Mm. are you a fan of the noir genre in general big time fan so what would you say makes this genre so apt for mage games um you know, at first when I when I, I got pitched it, I was like, well, why can't I do this for Vampire? I'd rather do this for Hunter. I'd rather do this for anything. But really, once I started looking at the history and then how the history was laid out by some of the other writers, um, it makes so much sense. Because you, you have such an upheaval socially and such a change socially after and during World War II that the people who sort of barely survived World War II make such interesting mage characters that now that I'm through the project, I don't know that I could have seen doing it for anybody else quite as interestingly as it was done for mage. Yeah. Well, when I, when I heard about the book and and kind of took a look at it initially, I thought, "Mm, what's this going to be like? And then, like you just said, the history chapters, I was just like, Oh, of uh, of course. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Idiot. Um, Fantastic. (laughs) Really, really, really really cool. Oh, cool. uh, it sounds like I need to pick it up to fill out some bits on my own uh, city setting, because um, to, to fill out just the, just that time frame, yeah. 
really good. The stuff on the on the war and the you know the whole nuclear atomic solution rather is, uh, and then the subsequent you know kind of atomic paranoia was brilliant. Great reading. I imagine um, it'd be really good to to detail out because um, Mark, you you run uh, you've done a Mage Chronicle based in Manchester as have I. So yeah, to cover years. like the the whole creation of computers and so forth. So to have yes. to do the Awakening twist on that and. You know, the, the war for kind of, yeah, yeah. the war for like cryptology really. So um, cool, good. Uh, so Philomena, what other historical settings do you think would be cool for Mage or, or yeah, for any other World of Darkness game line in general? What would you love to to, to jump into there? You know, Old World of Darkness did the Age of Reason with um with Mage, and I wouldn't mind seeing the exact same era done for the new Mage because I think it would mm-hmm. just be very different. Clearly, it's yeah. a very different kind of game, um, but still such an interesting point in history. I, I was going to add to this. You've um because you wrote in uh, you wrote parts for Ancient Mysteries and Blood mm-hmm. and Ancient Bloodlines. So, which historical setting did you cover for Ancient Mysteries? Was it historical that? setting? Uh, so, I wrote the the Thailand section. Okay, um, right. Which is it's very specifically Thailand um, during its revolution when it became Thailand. Before then, it was. It was just another part Sam, of, of I, I, right, right. Um, but but during its revolution, it did some really crazy, um, really progressive concepts that were almost kind of really early communism. And like basically, the Buddhists kind of came in and and they were like, oh well, technically we're all sort of equal. Um, you guys can keep doing your jobs and everything, but we don't really need the same sort of leadership. We don't really need kings and all that because you know everybody's all kind of equal and we're all basically working towards the same thing. So like the um the leader of Thailand at the time had a a, a bell. He was a king. Um but you know it wasn't as big a deal. He had a bell in his front door and anyone peasant and anyone alike could come and ring the bell and hmm. he would have to, he would come down personally to address whatever their problem was. Or so is the, the sort of mythic literature yeah. around that era. So okay. I was I read that and I was like oh, my God, Carthians. I've got to put Carthians all over the place here. I, I didn't actually end up putting Carthians around there, but they become kind of important in the um, translation between the modern setting and then the, the, the flash of history. And yeah. also, Muay Thai is awesome. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody was going to do anything out there, I wanted to do I wanted to do something different than China and Japan because that's often yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to do something in the in the region, but I wanted to do something different than China, Japan, and Thailand is so unique and so strange and so beautiful. It's such like, a oh, rich. It's yeah. got to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Okay. Well, we're coming to the uh, to the to the close of the Q and A. Um, we've got a question. One more from uh, from Facebook from Kevin, uh, who wants to know if you were to be one of White Wolf's supernaturals, what splat would you choose to be? Oh, uh, easy, Lucifuge. Okay. <laughs> Hands down, it's huge. No questions. No, I I love. I have sympathy for the devil. I would love to. Um, <laughs> I would love to seek out and find out that there's redemption even for the you know the god of evil, um and 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 fight monsters in the process and be awesome and Italian and have great clothes and lots of money to throw around. Oh yeah, no, that's absolutely. I would be a loose huge in a heartbeat. Fantastic. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now we have a, a couple of mystery questions to throw you away, and we'll see if, if uh, Mike can muster up the strength to uh, to pull those out the hat. If you could be a household appliance, which would you be, and why? <laughs> uh, 
That sounds dangerous considering what we've talked about already tonight. Right. I'm, 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 I'm supposed to say washing machine so all the pretty ladies can on me and have a good time, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, an immersion blender. Um, because it's my favorite instrument in the kitchen. It is so useful and it makes everything else kind of obsolete. I would definitely be an immersion blender. Cool. Someone else said that too. I can't remember who. <laughs> I don't know if it's David. <laughs> I'm not sure it might have been. <laughs> That's why we got married. <laughs> okay, Philomena, are you prepared for the zombie apocalypse? And what valuable lessons did you learn from the previous zombie apocalypse? Um, I I do have my my zombie preparation kit together, and I I do know what our plan would be. I would gather to me the people in the area who are gun owners, not because I believe in gun use personally, but because I know they're out there and they would be really handy. And we would hit Disneyland because it is incredibly, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's got restaurants and, and all that sort of thing already within it. It's a closed off space that can be locked down. So if we have to clear out the visiting zombies from Florida and Utah or wherever they're from, um, it wouldn't be hard to take them out because the area is so structured. And then I can put snipers up on the Tower of Terror and <laughs> off, oh no, I really thought about this, and pick <laughs> off <laughs> all sorts of problems at a long distance. Um, you can see the Tower of Terror from like most of this part of California. So that would, that would be my survival plan. And I think the lesson that I learned um, from that is that you should, uh, from the past zombie apocalypse is that you can't discount protecting children in these scenarios because you're going to have to raise them to protect society in the future. Uh, yeah. So don't let the kids get eaten first, even though it's tempting. <laughs> yeah, they can't run as fast, but that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Good. Uh, okay, well, that kind of that kind of wraps it up. Um, is there any way that uh, interested listeners or fans can get in touch with you if they want to uh, to pester you about your work? Absolutely. So I have a I have a website. Um, it's philomena.com. That's the easiest way to find me. I also have G Plus, like everybody else. It's just Philomena on G Plus. I talk about games. I talk about the stuff I'm working on. Um, I talk about probably too much politics. But if you hit me up there and let me know that you're from this podcast, I'll make sure you're in the right circles and I'll tell you all sorts of stuff. And, you know, you can laugh at my kids and my um, poor spelling as much as you like. Excellent. Great, great. Okay, well, I just want to say thanks a lot for joining us on the show. That was a, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been Absolutely. brilliant talking through everything. Um, yeah, and a big thank you. And we'll hope to, uh, hope to see you on the show again sometime soon. Let me know. Anytime. Okay, take care of them. Thank you. Thank you.